for us when we were doing ums and ahs. Oh, yeah. I edited all those. Oh, things. my gosh. So, I, you are amazing. So it, we sound like we're more coherent. Yeah. No, it, it, I was like, this is a lot better than I thought it was. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Join us each week over some beer if you feel caught in the middle of a political tug-of-war. My name is Joel. And I'm Jose. And today, we are going to be hitting the heavy topic, the controversial topic of immigration. Yeah. But before we get there, Joel, I think, you know, we both listened to the first podcast, and I think we... Oh, yeah. We came away with some things that we wanted to maybe reflect on just for a minute here. All right. For one, I know if anybody actually is listening to this, the first one, and realized or heard me say that uh, Weinstein Weinstein was um, a power broker in Washington, D.C., I know that that's not true. Sorry for that flub. Too many beers. But see, even then, Joel, I, I, I interpreted what you said as... As being him having a lot of money and spending it on political candidates in Washington D.C. Like he was a big time um, backer of liberal and progressive. You are so kind hearted. I mean, you turned this total flub into positive uh, feedback. That's you. how That's, I interpreted it in the you're, moment. You're so kind. And then uh, for me, one thing that I, when I was editing and I was listening back to what we were talking about, I noticed. That I have a really bad habit of saying like. Every other word was like. And so I need to really uh, rein in my use of the word like. See, I think, I don't know. If, if you try to self-edit, you might not be able to think well. So I, I didn't hear it at all. Okay, good. So I think it's fine. I'm just but self-critical. Do what you want. Yeah. I sounded well, like a valley girl in my mind. No, not at all. I'm a <laughs> Nothing big, against valley girls. I'm a big um user, and I'm just going to go with it. So. Um is my life. I'm a little older than you. Well, no <laughs> and then what was the other? Did you have? Oh else? yes, we have had a disagreement that we totally could have gotten into, but I misinterpreted. I totally think Woody Allen is you know at fault in mm-hmm. the whole Dylan Farrell thing, and you don't. But that's for another day. And yeah. and so and and I thought you agreed with me, but you didn't. So that's okay. no, I was on the opposite end. But yeah. yeah. That's good. That that's a future debate. That'll be fun. That is. And I actually, I love Woody Allen. So oh, I do too. We could do a movie podcast where we talk. We about have to our favorites who make us sad. We have to, and we also have to have a um, a crown episode, Ooh, don't we? Yes, we need to do a Hollywood or like media, yeah, movie or TV show review yeah. kind of thing. The the other important joke for me is one that's uh, usually attributed to Groucho Marx, but I think it appears originally in Freud's wit and its relation to the unconscious. And it goes like this, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I would never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member. That's the key joke of my adult life in terms of my relationships with women. All right, so before we begin our podcast, Joel, what are we drinking today? You know what, I should have done some research, but I know a little bit about Nitro Merlin. I know that Firestone Walker, we're so lucky to be living on the Central Coast. Firestone Walker has such amazing beer, and I think they discontinued this for a bit. There was a time, of course, when you got uh, Velvet Merlin, that's what we're drinking, it's a milk stout, um, without nitrogen in it, and then they came out with it in it, and that's what we're drinking right now. So it's good. Um, dark, caramely, typical stout, but Firestone Walker's beer is just rich. If you had to think of a, a single word, they don't scamp on ingredients no. at all. They just do things right. Super rich, super tasty. Everything they do is so darn good. It reminds Cheers. me of like a Guinness. It's so good. Cheers. Yeah, it is. It's a. Uh, it's got that good nitro flavor. It's got that, and you know, velvet. Mm-hmm. I mean, nitro. Of course. That's right. Salut. Drink up. I love that we were drinking these delicious brews out of Star Wars glasses. I know. This stuff is to me like. Um, Oh, what was the name? Oh, Walker's Reserve. It's the closest uh, stuff. And they stopped it, and then they started it again. And But Walker's Reserve was nitro. Mm-hmm. This stuff is. It's got a great head. Yeah. If you can say <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what she said. That's what she said. Okay, insert rod support A into slot B. That's what... If you say that's what she said one more time, I'm going to pop you. That now brings us to Fred Talks. Fred Talks, which stands for... Let's do um, friend instead of family reunion educational discussions, right? So friend reunion educational discussion. I like that. Fred talks. Who wants to go first? 
Who did? I went first, first last time, so you, you can go okay. first. You know what? Mine's so simple. But it's, if you live in California, here's a little tidbit that I think is so um, cool. Weather. Did you know if you live in California and the wind comes out of the south? And I wonder if this is true of all the whole country. The wind comes out of the south, which very, very rarely does. That's because low-pressure systems are moving in from the Pacific. And, of course, low-pressure systems uh, rotate counterclockwise. <laughs> Which means the wind's coming straight out of the south. If you see the wind coming out of the south, and you know where the south is, you can almost bet your house that it's going to rain soon. So that's that's my Fred talk. That's kind of cool, though, to know if the wind's coming out of the south, Mm -hmm. it it can rain. Get this. The weatherman is a total fraud. He predicts thunder showers so nobody will show up and he'll have the golf course to himself. See, when I was in Boy Scouts, we learned our directions, north, south, east, west. With um, an acronym, never eat shredded wheat. Oh yeah, there's other ones. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. What's, what, what are some other ones? I can't remember. Um, news, right? Mm-hmm. That's the big news. One. I like that. Yeah. I always quiz my uh, students in class to see if they still know the cardinal directions. And I think with smartphones, could they be knowing them less? I like I say, point where the sun comes up every morning, and what direction is that? Oh my gosh, every year there's less. I don't like to be the pessimist. I don't think that's happening, but it might be. It's anecdotal, I guess. Yeah. So my Fred talk is a little more philosophical than it was last week. Got into that controversial subject right off the bat. This week, I want to talk about something that relates to our podcast. It's a concept called the Anima Technica Vacua. Anima Technica Vacua. No way. The Anima Technica Vacua. It's a Latin phrase referring to the emptiness of the technological soul. Ah. And it was put forth... um, by a Swiss theologian named um, Hans Urs von Balthasar. Um, it was in one of the last texts, one of the last books that he wrote. He was a Jesuit priest. And actually, the funny thing is, he was named a cardinal, and then before he was installed, he died. Oh, <laughs> so wow. he never actually made it. Lived long enough to see that. But his point was that as time has progressed, especially post-enlightenment, man has increasingly driven a, a wedge between faith and reason and separated them. And so what we've ended up with is a utilitarian view of the world. Nature, Mm. technology, progress, even people. Things are meant to be used Mm -hmm. in order to dominate them or in order to exploit them for your own personal gain. And what would the... um I guess the Catholic view be? So that would or be, your view be? I think Pope Francis actually um, put it very well. So in Laudato Si, Pope Francis advocated for an integral ecology. Um, in other words, an ecology where humans and nature um, all live together, they all coexist in mutual um, promotion of the common good rather than one dominating the other. And he puts it as... Um, Strategies for a solution demand an integrated approach to combating poverty, restoring dignity to the excluded, and at the same time, protecting nature. So, in other words, we should be using these things to promote the common good, to promote humanity, Mm -hmm. or even to protect the environment, Mm -hmm. rather than controlling or dominating the environment, or using technology to control or dominate other people, or to advance economic interests. Interesting. So that's called the Anima Technica Vacua. And by the way, your Ted, your Fred talks kick my Fred talks <laughs> tails. Damn you! And my wife proved me wrong when she referred to my phone as my black wife. Now I thought it was funny. I mean, we we both giggled. Now single men take notes. Now I'm no expert, but I don't think she was kidding. She talked about some other stuff which I really don't remember. I was too busy in my head composing a tweet where I would quote her with some sort of clever hashtag about marriage and about how much I love her to be paying attention to her at that moment. I think what snapped me back in was the silence which indicated I was supposed to have some sort of response to whatever she was talking about. Okay, our topic this week is immigration. And I kind of feel like we are at the epicenter of immigration here in Santa Maria. Lots of immigrants work here because of our agricultural base. We are in a beautiful valley that you can grow strawberries here year-round, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I have farmer friends who say they would go out of business absolutely tomorrow if their uh, immigrants who were undocumented were gone. So um, 
Can I start by, by saying what I have mentioned to you many times? I feel like a hypocrite when it comes to immigration because I am a total law and order guy. I mean, that's one of my conservative traits. And um, I feel like, of course, we need a law. I mean, a border. And I know you feel that way, too. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, most people, you have to get to the real extreme far left if you you know, want to find the open people. border people. Yeah, I mean, and not just, no borders at all. You know, no countries, and of course not. That just doesn't work. And we we all, I mean, countries need to be able to uh, regulate who comes in and goes. And of course, after nine eleven, it means that much more. So, I feel like a hypocrite because I'm good with people. Even with my law, law and order stance, I'm good with people as soon as they make it across the border. Right. Like, if there's a kid who's like a week into the United States and mm-hmm. doesn't have papers in my classroom, I would actually stand in front of ICE official mm-hmm. who wanted to deport that person. Oh, me too. But at the same time, I am so, like, law and order. Mm-hmm. So help me out with that. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I don't know, You're like a hypocrite. Like a hypocrite. Yeah. And I think we, we had this discussion earlier and. <clears throat> Maybe the word hypocrite has a negative connotation, so I don't like using that word for myself. But I think you put it in another way that was, to me, more insightful, that we have to be comfortable with tension. Yeah. Whereas, on the one hand... Thank you, Jose. (laughs) Exactly. On the one hand, we can say, well, we need to control the borders. It's just a matter of, of, of common sense, really, that we need to control the flow of people who are coming into our country, if, if not for um, national security reasons, yeah. but there are other reasons like economics, how it impacts um, communities, etc. Yeah. But on the other hand, like you said, once they're here, I think we should be welcoming, we should be hospitable, and we should be looking to build these people up and respect their dignity yeah. as human beings. Yeah, you know, I actually am embarrassed to say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I voted for 187 for people that don't know what 187 was a long time ago. California um, had a proposition where we weren't going to give services, government services to anybody who didn't, who was undocumented. And I was for that because I was such a law and order person. But then as I, you know, had more and more contact with a lot of kids in my own classroom who I love, mm-hmm. who are undocumented, I just realized, you know what? I, I got to live in this gray area where we're going to have a not open borders. We're going to have laws. But I am going to protect and love these kids in my classroom, of course. Exactly. You know, and anybody who is like, get rid of all these kids, these you know, and get rid of DACA. Man, you would not be that way if you were a teacher. There's just no way. No. And I have to say that I had the mayor of Santa Maria come to my classroom, and she talked to my students, and they were pretty well-spoken with her. She's she's a Trump supporter. She's mm-hmm. really conservative. And my students held her feet to the fire. And right they on. said, if I speak truth to power. Exactly. And they're like, would you allow ICE to come to our campus and arrest us? I didn't and realize you us? had kids ask her that. They were. What did she say? And she actually got, her feathers were really ruffled. She didn't of know what to say. Of course we would never do that. No, who's telling you this? Well, like, why not? Never... And she's like, Trump, you know? Exactly. And I think mm. the kids have a legitimate concern. Oh, gosh. And I saw such fear the day after Trump was elected. Me too. And our kids. Holy smokes. And because they had real so many questions. Mm-hmm. Some kids were on the verge of tears. Yeah. Some kids' voices were qua- were wavering. Mm-hmm. And, ah, man, talk about getting punched in the gut. For so many people, this is an ideological, yeah. abstract debate. Yeah. But yeah, it's not. For us as teachers, oh, it's... I look into their face. I've had um, discussions with students where they'll straight up tell me, Mr. I'm undocumented. Yep. My, my family came here. They brought me when I was a little... You know, little kid, we don't yep. have papers. Yep. No. Nope. Are we going to deport? There you go, Julio. You're out, buddy. Sorry, we're deporting you and your family. No. I mean, and I think we're both sort of, I don't want to use it. How about the word Spockian? In that yeah. we just, I mean, we, we definitely put logic above our gut. But, man, I got to tell you, in this case, the, the logic of having border laws, and it makes perfect sense to me. But, man, I'll go with my gut every time on this one. It's just weird. I'm just not like this usually. But you have to be. If you live with these people, I mean, mm-hmm. they're just awesome. They're just, they're the American dream. This is, and you know what? Right I looked there. into immigration laws. Do you know that, I think it was in the 1800s, mm-hmm. you know, if you made it to the United States, you're in. 
they, yeah. until the laws against Chinese, if you make it to the United States, you're in. And that makes sense. Yeah. Once your feet are on the soil, mm-hmm. you are here. And I, I guess that doesn't work nowadays. It probably wouldn't. And I'm not for open because borders of at all. transportation and right. all that other stuff. Right. right. You, you could have just an influx of uh, people coming in. And we do have to have some some way of keeping track of who's coming and going, especially, um, I guess, after 9-11. Yeah, no doubt. As teachers, when my students are in my classroom, I don't check their papers at the door. I don't check their citizenship status at the door. They come in, and I treat them as a human being, and my job is to educate them so that they can have a better future, more opportunities regardless of of their their citizenship. Of course, that's our job. Have you been on... The Santa Maria Times website or on their Facebook page. Well, like comments or comments. letters? People are so vile Crazy. and racist and hateful. And they'll say, you know, our scores are so low. Deport all these kids. It's like, do you even hear yourself? Do you realize that if we deported all these families, mm. we would have fewer schools in this mm. district? Yeah. We'd have fewer teachers in this district. Yeah. yeah, you know what? The day without Mexican. I mean, great. if they really, really did that mm-hmm. and made it come home to people, People would freak out. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. And the other thing is, with my own sons going like to Santa Maria High School and coming up through our own district where they're like one of the few, maybe 10 out of 300 white kids in the class, it doesn't make a difference at all. They're smart kids. They're misbehaving kids. There's white kids like that, Filipino kids like that. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't. Kids are kids. Kids are kids. Humans are humans. Sure. It doesn't matter what race. And, and you know what? People need to learn that lesson. It's crazy. Okay. I love to hear the Catholic view on everything. Mm. It's so, I love it. I, I generally agree with all of it. Not all of it, but like 95 percent, huge percentage of it. So what is the whole church view on this? So if you look in the catechism of the Catholic church, paragraph number uh, 2241, catechism of the Catholic church, paragraph 2241, it says, and I'll just read it right here. The more prosperous nations are obliged to the extent that they are able to welcome the foreigner in search of the security and the means of livelihood which he cannot find in his country of origin. Public authority should see to it that the natural right is respected that places a guest under the protection of those who receive him. So in other words, if the United States, being one of the wealthiest countries in the world, is obligated to welcome the foreigner and be as hospitable as possible. Okay, let's stop you right there. Now, that seems to suggest we have to let everybody... Yeah. That, now, now, tell me if that's true. And that goes to the second point. Okay. All right. <laughs> then the catechism continues. Political authorities, for the sake of the common good for which they are responsible, may make the exercise of the right to immigrate subject to various juridical conditions, especially with regard to the immigrants' duties toward their country of adoptions. adoption. Immigrants are obliged to respect the gratitude the material and spiritual heritage of the country that receives them to obey its laws and to assist in carrying civic burdens. So the church is saying um, both and. On the one hand, when the foreigner, when the immigrant comes, we are obliged to welcome them and care for their human needs. But at the same time, the state has an obligation or even a right to control its borders. Right on. I can go with that. Absolutely. Again, they are... um Making me a convert. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's about it's about balance, really. Yeah, yeah exactly. So on the one hand, we want to control our borders to the extent that is reasonable, but then at the same time, we don't want to be um, Grinches. We don't right. be Scrooges. Right. Exactly. Well, that's this gray area that we're talking about, and mm-hmm. and it's just it's. I think I understand why it's hard for people to live in this in that gray area where what you either have to like. Do you agree with the laws? Or do you agree with these people who, you know, come in, don't have papers, and should stay? And the other issue that I think is super interesting is, you know what? There are Mexicans who have waited in line. And you got to feel for them, too. And, and sometimes, and I just read, because you gave me some good information, that some of them have been waiting for like 30 years or 20 years because of our doggone immigration system. It's like so bogged down. It's so ridiculous. i got to ask you a question now really Shoot. quick. Yeah. Are you for... I'm so torn about this mm-hmm. for letting people with higher skills into the United States versus people with low skills. I think we have to take it by in categories. I would compartmentalize it. I wouldn't lump it all together. Because, like, for me, at first blush, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, skills. 
Mm-hmm. Of course. Right. But I have, my own sons have had such great relationships with kids whose parents mm-hmm. are farm workers, and they just got something that these... The Ghanas. Yeah, they got the Ghanas that the uh, kids of educated parents don't have. Right. Don't know what it is. And this is going to sound mystical and goofy, but there is something there. I'm telling you, and I am so happy that my kids have that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's true. Right. And and it's the whole rainbow of, of experience, and, and we wouldn't have that if we only let educated people right. in. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. We need to compartmentalize it. So on the one hand, if we're looking purely for economic, um, if we're looking at economic criteria for letting people in, then we, want, we would want to say, yeah, they need to have certain skill sets, particularly maybe STEM or what have you. Yeah. But that's one category. I think the other category we have to look at is... Are these people coming from countries where there's a lot of violence? There's mm. extreme poverty. Mm. So these people that um, are suffering now because Trump ended the um, the temporary protective status yeah. of the El Salvadorans, yeah. they're basically put in a situation where they have to go back to their um, their land of origin, El yeah. Salvador, and that place is just right now devastated by cartels, by gangs like MS-13, yeah. drugs military, police, they're just in a huge war. We're going to yeah. send them back into a place they haven't been to in almost I 20 years. I think that's just, that's pure empathy, being able to put yourself into their shoes and mm-hmm. say, you know, nah, maybe not. That's a tough one, though, because, you know, there's some of them that probably are gaming the system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a, just a But do you throw the baby call. out with a bath water? Right, yeah, you don't. I don't think you do. Um, so I come down on that whole issue with... A balance of both. I, mm-hmm. I think that you, you. I mean, if I know Silicon Valley would just like it's kind of funny, just like our farmers here. I think they would be not devastated, but they would be pretty hurt. I've got a buddy who works for Facebook. He says, "Man, we were and and Silicon Valley went nuts when Trump said uh, we're going to um, do away with with." Um, Oh, what was it with people coming in from certain countries? Of course, India and, and China, a lot of the countries where these immigrants were coming. Mm-hmm. But they were they are really pro pro immigrant, which is super heartening to me. Um, and and then the other, you know, like I already said, my my kids have, have benefited so much from this huge rainbow of, of classes that I don't know. It's it's tough. So I, I would say both and, just like Catholic Church, both and. I think that's the way to do it. So. You know, we live in Santa Maria, as we said, and there are a lot of immigrants. And that's because we have um, fields with tons of, um, with a variety of um, crops that they work in. And so these parents are coming to this country not because they want to take advantage of um, welfare benefits, many of which they can't take advantage of because of federal restrictions. Or in California, we passed Proposition 187. Yeah. They can't even really take advantage of those um, benefits, even if they wanted to. Okay. And that's a fallacy that a lot of people, I would say, I, I would bet that more than half people think that. Oh, and when, they're when coming, I talk to people, they're oh, they're coming here, they're yeah. a burden, they're taking advantage of It their just welfare. feels like the majority of people think that's what's happening. Right. And there are some, and you can't get distracted by them, though. Most right. are totally here because they're hard workers. Right. I, w- I would challenge any of these people who complain. To get up at 5, 5.30 in the morning to go work in the fields. Yeah. And get off work 5.30, 6 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Yep. Back-breaking work. And so, you know, we, we have parent conferences with these parents a lot of times, and they don't speak English, so we have to have um, translators. But, man, they are very supportive of teachers. <laughs> oh, and my they gosh. want their kids to do well. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, change tax here a little bit and say all you teachers out there who teach in rich districts and have to deal with ornery parents, we in Santa Maria very rarely have to do that. Rarely. And we are so blessed because our parents, I mean, they worship the ground we walk on. It's pretty much. It's such a joy. And thank you, parents of Santa Maria. Yes. <laughs> Not all parents, but man, if, if we make a phone call, that kid changes the next day. I'm a little worried sometimes when we make that phone call. Yeah, they're getting the chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Well, watch out for the chocolate. They <laughs> the actually, chocolate. Mr. Kringle, I got the chocolate. <laughs> exactly. Chocolate flies across the room. The secret is Hispanic culture, which emphasizes boundaries, developmental growth, 
and a traditional technique known as la chancla. Learn the discipline required to excel in academics. But so I was looking at some some facts online. I was looking at the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy, and um, according to their research, there are eight million undocumented immigrants who are in the workforce. Mm. And half of them, according to the Social Security Administration, half of them pay into Social Security. Okay, so they get fake Social Security numbers. Yes. I got a question. This is kind of weird. Yeah. Are these people who actually have that number getting more money in Social Security? Or are people get the same amount of money from Social Security? That, that thought they aren't. They aren't. I, I, I was just care. like, wow, what are these people like? So I'm going to give my Social Security to these people so that I can get more. I don't know how Social Security works, so because I've got the whole uh, Calster system oh, working yeah. for me, which is uh, it's kind of messed up. I don't it's know. I think it's getting better. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, So basically, these people are working... Um, and they're paying paying into Social Security, but because they're undocumented and they're using fake or they're copying, they're using fake Social Security numbers or they're using someone else's, um, they will never receive Social Security benefits. Yeah. But they're paying into it. And according to the Social Security Administration, in, what was it, 2015, according to their most recent data, these undocumented workers have contributed thirteen point four billion dollars in payroll taxes. Holy Jim Dandy! And the social, the secretary of the Social Security Administration, um, Stephen Goss, said, "We estimate that earnings by unauthorized immigrants result in a net positive effect on Social Security financial status generally." So my question is. Are these guys going to be a huge burden in the system when they're seniors and they're like, they don't have anything to fall back on? Or is the familial ties of Hispanic communities so strong, which it really is, mm-hmm. that maybe that's not going to be a big problem? It'll probably be the latter because they're not citizens. Right. So they, they, can't, they, they, they can't, can't draw from it. So they're paying into Social Security, yeah. but they will never draw from it. Yeah. Which is heartbreaking. And. You know, that's just that's just payroll taxes. So if you look at state and local taxes, according to the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy, they're bringing in an additional two billion dollars a year in state and local taxes. Okay. So we're talking we billions told, of dollars. Told, well, you know what the other thing is is if you ask the guy on the street, mm-hmm. okay, immigrants, more crime or less? I think most people would say more. Right, they would, but. By all research, it, it, they all claim that for immigrants, and of course, because if they screw up, they're gone. Immigrants are less likely to commit crimes. And I think the, uh, um, the differences between citizens and immigrants is pretty high. It's significant. Yeah. So that's another fallacy. So we've hit three fallacies so far. And then an, another fallacy that was in this great show. And, and Jose, I, I put all kinds of stuff on you when you make these podcasts to try to find a link to this great American, this American life episode that um, examined a town in Alabama called Albertville in Alabama. I think you should go home to Greenbow, Alabama. All kinds of Mexicans um, came to this, this town to um, work in the chicken factories, and um, and how, what it did to the society. It is just a great show. I really encourage all you guys that are listening to listen to it. It will seriously change your views on immigration because it's super subtle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read conservatives who hated it and liberals who hated it, which is exactly what I love. Right. That's when, a sweet when, spot. Yeah, that's a sweet spot. And um, and one of the things that it showed is that unemployment did not um, go up as mm-hmm. immigrants came to town. That, that's a huge would, fallacy. See, to me, as I, I mean, I'm not a pure, I'm not a nutty capitalist, but I generally think capitalism totally helps the world. And I thought, of course, I mean, Capitalist principles show that if all these people come to town, of course, other workers who are legal citizens there are going to lose their jobs. And it didn't happen. And I want to know how that worked or whatever, but, I mean, this is good research. So I think the it's the concept of supply versus demand. So because you have an increased supply of workers, it's almost as though it forces an increase of demand, demand. Yeah. for workers. And I, God, I think that's what they said. It was cool. 
you go and look at countries where they don't have an uh, influx of immigrants and they just don't do as well, mm-hmm. you know? And for whatever reason, countries that, like the United States, that, and right now Europe's going through it because they yeah. have this huge influx of, and they're doing fine. They're but they're resisting. Down. There are people, there are segments oh, yeah. of European society who are resisting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This influx of immigrants. And, and, and that had to do with the French election where they're far right almost won and, mm-hmm. and um, what's happening with Brexit and everything. But... I mean, I think people need to take a more philosophical and they do. I guess a long-term view of it all. It just seems to work out. I don't know. So, as someone who has studied history I, on my on my wall in my classroom, I have my bachelor's degree in history. I studied a lot of history through my life, and then uh, as a lover you of history, I've read tons of books. To so much, so many great books, and I gotta say, you are a wellspring of historical knowledge. Well, thank you. No, I, really, you I, gotta I take some that. credit. When you look at history, the history of the world, societies have flourished. Civilizations have flourished when they interact with other cultures. Oh, oh they, I'm so stoked that you brought that up. Don't let me forget about Hawaii. They mm. stagnate when they become insular, mm. when they mm. isolate themselves. Mm. And all these major powers, including the United States, are turning inward. We're becoming more insular. Mm. And I think we're going to lose for that. Oh. I, I totally agree. Coastal cities are so much more prosperous because they get the influence. I mean, I'm talking about mid- medieval times and and just because they have that foreign influence. Look at Italy. You know, I have to bring in Hawaii right now because Hawaii is the most multicultural state in the union. And Hawaii flourishes. It, it just And there are so many races there and they get along so well. And I totally think it's because people are so comfortable with other I used to live there and I don't get xenophobia at all. I just don't get it. You don't get it either growing up in Santa Maria. People in California don't get it. And I just, I wonder if the middle part of the country who are just now experiencing mm-hmm. change in color of skin. And I, I think it's that blunt. To be uh, honest, I think it is. Are just like, yeah, are shocked and are just having to get used mm-hmm. to things. You, I mean, is it I, that crazy? I think it is. And I hate to say that, but just purely on the level of looking at demographics and with the increase in um, people who are moving, increase in immigration, they're seeing more colors on people's face mm-hmm. than whites. Mm-hmm. And I can and understand why it's scary, not because of the color skin. I really don't think it's that for the most part. It is for some people. I think for some people. But I think it's with like standing in line behind somebody that's speaking Spanish in, yes. in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, and that ain't going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. Right, right. And instead of... You need to speak American. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> there is that. I mean, we're overdoing it right now, but there is that. I know there is. And uh, how do you overcome that? I don't know. And I, and I had this discussion with my students earlier today, and the one thing I had to emphasize is the word encounter. When you encounter other people from different walks of life, it improves your life exponentially. Mm. It opens your mind. Mm. Because Amen. when you don't have experiences where you encounter other people from other walks of life, you it's like when you don't work out, right? It's <laughs> like your sense of empathy, I think, atrophies. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's what happened to a lot of Americans. And I don't want to necessarily okay, put now, on Harlan, but I think a lot of people have that experience. Will it happen or will it be so disruptive that it's like dangerous and, and, and are we going to go through some crap because like in the 60s? I mean, like right now with Trump. I mean, that's a huge part of it, no? I think I think so. We saw it in Charlottesville yeah. where it turned I, violent. But then there's another part of me that says, well, yeah, but we're already there as a country as far mm-hmm. as minorities being the majority and there's this huge tidal wave that's going to happen and it's coming. I, I almost feel like if you haven't changed as a real conservative person who, like all these guys that just say, well, we're not racist. We just want only to be with our own kind. Right, right. I mean, there's a bunch of people like that. And, ah, oh, there are people who are going to be inundated there are people by the who tidal wave. We should, you know, blacks should have their own state. Mexicans should have their yeah. own. And then whites okay. should be. No, that, mm-hmm. you know, that idea is, is, is. Did you behind us? Did you catch the story in Maine of the city manager who said that? that, No, I'm not racist. I just think we all need to be separated, and we should be allowed to be separated if we wanted. Wow, you know, he was fired though. It was beautiful, and he should be fired. Of course, 
I think we need to get back to shaming people. Hey, man. Bring back the sex. And we are. We, we should. We, and it's happening. And you know what I love is this whole ethos of boycott. Yes. You know, boycott's working. Mm-hmm. You know, companies scared beepless <laughs> over um, offending. And, and, and may, I don't know that it's even gone too far. Right. Um, because um, they should be mm-hmm. embarrassed about offending well, was, and having a CEO that offends. And right. So, well, there was that, a good thing. Um, I mean, progress has happened. There was that one commercial that ad. What was that? H and M or where they had this little? I don't know this. This little black child wearing a sweatshirt that said like "coolest monkey in the jungle" or something. Oh lordy! It's like hello, <laughs> lordy. Did you not have anyone on staff who could say, "Hey, that might be racist"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, know your history. Know your history. Come on. But to bring us back to um, the immigration topic, I, I kind of want to turn now to DACA. Yeah. Because in 2012, President Obama, um, after over a decade of n- literally no progress on immigration reform, finally said, we need to protect these young adults, these um, people who were brought here involuntarily by their children. By their parents. We should not be threatening these people with deportation. So we created the DACA program, which stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And 800,000 people signed up and, and by the way, just like, that protection. Yeah, as a, as a, as a side uh, note, Obama was accused afterwards of getting these guys on the list so they could be deported. But that's, that's a whole other story. That's the thing, though. He, these people had to sign up. Yeah. They trusted the government yeah. to give their information. And wouldn't it be And crazy now it's Trump who's going to get comes back that to information to deport people. Mm. That's horrendous. Okay. And we have to say, we are so into this fight. Yeah. As teachers who have, I mean, who knows how many kids we have that we love. And mm. we are entrusted with, I mean, with loving them and teaching them. I mean... Oh, it just burns us as teachers, any teacher in California. But then you hear mm. Trump talk about ending DACA, and then Attorney General Jeff Sessions, he looks like a Keebler elf. Well, I was just doing what I always do. I'm cooking up nightmares for children. <laughs> He's talking about ending DACA. Like, well, when we end DACA, that's, that's going to that's gonna reduce crime on our streets. So he, he asserted that ending DACA would actually reduce crime. Well, turns out that those recipients of DACA were, first of all, they could only qualify if they were brought here before the age of 16. They have to be in high school or have a high school diploma, and they could lose their DACA status if they commit any offenses. So then you look at the DACA population, 800,000, 36%, 36% of DACA recipients have a bachelor's degree. Nutty. What is the national average? I don't know the national average. I think average. it's about 30% or 25. I think. I, I That I, does not surprise me. That, and that then, is awesome. And you know what? Is it because they're under the gun? It might be. That threat, but that's I don't crazy know. That's crazy. That these guys are kicking tail because they have to? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And then, I mean, that's, so that's 36 who have a bachelor's and a Additional 32% are in the process of earning their bachelor's. Okay, but the thing about it is they're coming from uneducated backgrounds. From They're, they're the children so they of are undocumented the American dream. They are. Uh, they are. It's one generation who's nutty says, and beautiful. We're going to sacrifice. Mm. We're going to make the sacrifices necessary for our children mm. to be more successful. And we see that, and we are so blessed to see we these are. guys every day in classroom. Oh, my gosh. And then, of the 800,000 DACA recipients, 0.25%, so that's one-fourth of 1%, have committed offenses that have caused them to lose their DACA status. You can be 0.25% walking down the street. Exactly. So, <clears throat> that's nothing. That's nothing. And then, but you look at U.S. prisons, 0.71% of American citizens are in jail. Yeah, and that's because of our screwed up. True. But when you look at 0.25% of DACA yeah. have committed an offense yeah. versus 0.71% of Americans yeah. are in jail. You know, it doesn't surprise me, but it still surprises me. I don't know mm-hmm. how. I'm like, of course, but wow. It's because these people, they don't come. I think there's this idea that people come to this country to take advantage. They don't res- they're not coming here to take advantage of us. They're coming here to take advantage of the opportunities to yeah. be successful. Yeah. And these are the people 
who are going to be the next, you know, inventor of the the next iPhone, right? Like Steve Jobs. They're they coming really to are. invent they really the next are. technology. They're coming to, to bring cures. It sounds like a platitude, but that, I mean, it's, it's so true. I mean, it's happening. And we see it, Joel, at our, yeah, our job. It's so fun. We are so lucky. Oh, my gosh. We are in the vortex. Yes. To use the California New Age uh, terminology of the American dream in Santa Maria. Yeah. We're lucky. And you know what? Uh, you Can you also put a link to that super cool video of the gumball? The gumballs. Yes. And we, we're not... You want to introduce the gumballs first? Yo, the gumballs are this guy, I don't know if it's a TED Talk or what, but who said, you know what, even if we tripled or quadrupled the amount of immigrants we could accept to our country, we wouldn't put a dent in the amount of impoverished, really, really impoverished people in the world. Mm-hmm. So what should then our ethos be? Should it be... Accepting more and more and more. Of course not. It doesn't work. You can't. There are so many people. And and then, of course, and people need to know this. And people are so pessimistic. No, people. The, uh, the world's population, they're getting richer and richer and richer. Not, I Comparatively. Say, comparatively, right. Right. But... Um, we're not talking about immigration as if the United States can cure the world's immigration woes. Exactly. And um, that's my only problem with that gumball video was the suggestion, the implied suggestion was we can cure the world's poverty no, by yeah, letting them immigrate happening. to the United States. That's and, not what anyone's saying. But but some people go into that argument thinking that, which mm-hmm. is which is bad thinking, I think. But what about here's an idea that I always Love when politicians talked about, you know what, let's maybe start a Peace Corps where we bring people into our country. And this is so far flung and nutty and idealistic. I know, it might be super naive, but where we are saying, hey, listen, we are bringing you in because our country's got these great ideas mm-hmm. that we want you to go back to your country and just spread throughout your country. Exactly. And we're going to support you when you're there. Is that nutty? Is that naive? No, I think we need to, so the Peace Corps already exists. And I think And that's sort of like that, but I want something more explicit. We need to maybe ramp it up. Yeah, right. And so I think the Peace Corps is one way. So not only will that benefit the countries who are the recipients of our Peace Corps volunteers or whatever we want to want to call them, but I think we also need to couple that. And I mentioned this earlier when we discussed this. We need maybe like a 21st century Marshall Plan. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Go out and we engage these nations and whatever that form comes in. Are we naive or let's just do something big here, you know? We need to, it's a Hail Mary pass here. That's right. And the video made, the gumball um, video, which went viral a while ago. Watch it. It's just powerful. It's so good. We cannot take in the three to five billion people in the world who are living on less than $2 a day. People who are impoverished. And getting better. And getting better. And people need to know that because yeah. people will be pessimists and say, oh, it's getting worse for them. No, it's getting better. But still, they're, they're in bad situations. We need to lift all boats. Yeah. So it can't just be like, well, come to America, come to the United States, and you'll be rich. Yeah. No, no, no. We need to do that globally. Yeah. And I think some of our economic policies, some of our foreign policies, in some ways, help keep the world impoverished for our own benefit. And so we, I think we need to relook at that. You know, here's an idea. Some people say you open up a Nike factory in India mm-hmm. and you must hate the fact that they're giving them such low wages. But when you compare it to the wages of that country, it's amazing. It's, it's much higher. And then when you ask the people who have been, you know, who have lost their jobs because American activists go in and say, shut this place down. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, if if it's if it's if what they're doing to these people is indefensible, if it's inhumane, yeah, inhumane, of course, shut them. But if it's we're talking about salary, we are so used to the United States of comparing it to, to us, right? But we can't, and and these people always say afterwards after their sh- and this is capitalism where I can't stand, um, like totalitarian capitalists and the people that that think it's just always right, but. Capitalism works where, you know what, you can't compare it to your own country. You have to compare it to where it, where it is. Right. And these people invariably say, why would you shut us down? I'm, I'm doing so much better than everybody else in my country. So it's, 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 it's an interesting, interesting thing. And like Thomas Friedman in, in The World is Flat totally gets to this. We have to sort of change 
our viewpoint when we're talking about other countries, but we can still do better. We can, we can, we can put pressure. We can, and, and that happens too. Mm-hmm. And Nike and, and other corporations, they do change. Mm-hmm. But I think, so we need to, on the one hand, acknowledge that maybe $2 a day <laughs> makes them ballers in their country, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, say... Sounds funny. I thought you were going like, that's horrible, but that's good. Yeah. Compared to us, not so great. But maybe right. in their context, in their societal context, that's actually pretty good. But we need to maybe start investing in their countries in multiple ways. We need to give them money in terms of um, startup businesses, encouraging yeah. entrepreneurialism, yeah. if that's... A, yeah. And that's then. And then we need to maybe, like you were saying earlier, bring in people, bring in diplomats, bring in politicians, yeah. bring in yeah. um, CEOs, whatever, bring in people who want to pursue business, yeah. train you know, them as here, teachers, and then send them back. Yeah. No, I agree. And as teachers, it comes down to, to education. It does. It's, it's cool, which is cool. Yeah. You know, everybody watch David Letterman's um, interview with Obama. That's oh, I'm, so I'm putting yeah on you the uh all these links I'll put it jose jose does everything for this show and um obama talks about his own mom like um starting um businesses business um accounts with uh ladies i think it was uh from indonesia and she ended up specializing in, in women's development issues she's she was a, a one of the pioneers in uh microfinancing where You'd go into a village and, and women who were doing all kinds of work, but they weren't getting paid for it, figuring out how they could monetize what they were doing and ended up being a tool to you know, empower them and, and create more development in, in poor countries. I think that's exactly what we need. That's awesome. And how cool, you know, that the United States, which is e pluribus unum, mm-hmm. then, you know, rebounds to the world. You know what I mean? As it should. Yeah. We take in and then we give back. The great thing about the United States, I will say, is that in theory, <laughs> our, our declaration and our constitution, they're all based on principles that are universal. Mm. They're based on principles that Good apply word. to every person by virtue of being a human being. Mm. It's, and it, it says very clearly in, I believe it's the Thank you. In the in the declaration, these rights are they are inalienable. They mm. come from God. They come from the Creator. They don't mm. come from a state. They don't come mm. from the benevolence of a government. Mm. Yeah. By virtue of being human, mm. and so these are the values and principles that we need to share with the world. Mm. And as a non-religionist, it still pertains. I mean, we have value, whether or not there's a God, you know, and um, equally. We're, we don't have equal talents, but man, if you had to choose between one poor person or a rich person, you have to flip a coin. You know what is your take on President Trump's wall? We're oh, gonna, we're going to build a wall oh. and we're going to make Mexico pay for it. Okay, beautiful. Is it Rich Little? What's the guy's name? There we are. Um, what what was the like? We're losing track of our humanity with those beeps. <laughs> okay. Yeah, All right. This is so fun. I am. I ask that question to so many people. I wish we could trade giving DACA or getting DACA for the wall. I have no problem. And by the way, the idea of building a wall, and all educated people know that you can't build a wall across the entire border. It's, it's just in, miles. Yeah, it's nutty. And and the idea that it's like. $80 billion baloney. It's like, it's got to be at least $200 billion, $500 billion to build a wall. It's not practical. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Of course, any educated person knows that. But I have no problem, and oh, I hope I don't get into trouble with this, but I truly believe no problem. I have no problem building a wall in certain ca- uh, places where there are serious issues with people coming across. Mm-hmm. And I mean... I know the far left will hate me for that. I know the far right will love me for that. And I hate that. Yeah. But what do you You're say? Right what is middle. your what is your deal on that? You're right in the middle where you belong. So I have no problem with 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 I mean, I I want them to follow the people who are waiting in line and I hate that that idea because 
I have so many great kids in my classroom who didn't wait in line. So I don't really believe that. I'm a total hypocrite. If you come across and you're in my classroom, I am going to defend your right to be here in the United States. I will literally (laughs) stand over them. I will block the door. Someone will have to beat my ass down before they come in to get my kids. Oh, for like if ice came? If ice came. Oh, I'm right with you. They will have to beat my ass Everyone go listen to Francisco Jimenez's... um, The Circuit. The Circuit. um, And all his books because... That happened back in the 50s. My students read that book, and I think that was on their mind when the mayor came. dandy. That they thought, oh, well, in the circuit, the the character who was based on the author's, um, you know, life, Francisco, the the, the ice came and took him right out of class. So they, because they just read it, thought that that's going to happen. And that happened in, what, 1940s? Yeah. And they're concerned that in 2017, 2018, under the Trump regime, that that will happen to them. I don't blame them. And it's it's a reasonable concern. But okay, what is your me? what is your view? So on the wall, yeah, I think that progressives and those on the further to the left of us would um, not give up. They will not take any deal that provides for a wall. But okay, my own, why? Because they're for DACA. For DACA, and here's why: you because can't exchange they, DACA for the wall. Because they that's look at it, not the whole wall. We're not. Nobody believes any, it's the whole wall. Any wall, and I think it's, it's a symbol. It's a symbol, exactly. They look at it as Trump wants a wall. He's not getting a wall, and so my. I own, wish they we could get away from symbols. Yes. So my own view. Uh, my my own view is. I do not endorse the idea of a 2,000-mile oh, wall. Of course not. That's nutty. But if we had to build walls in certain places, I would be fine with that in order to get DACA or in order to get to trade that for some kind of comprehensive um, immigration reform. Yeah. You've for, got to, it's, it's got to be both. You've got for to have gray to, area to laws is what I'm going to call it now. Yes. Gray area laws. But at the same time, I think we should also, because the wall is so symbolic, we should look more into... Putting boots on the ground, so more border patrol agents. Oh, you know what I like, don't drones. like about that is those guys are full Trump supporters. Some of them are, and there there have been videos which you can find online where they are just full on beating um, taking, they come across, uh, taking water away from places where immigrants mm-hmm. need the water and will die in the summer True. if they don't get it. Nutty, but, but I think that we need to be practical. There has to be some kind of um, enforcement. There has to be some kind of border security. We can't say, let's provide amnesty for all these people, but then on the other hand, not be sensible enough and say, well, we need to protect our borders. You have to have both. You have to have the both and. And without that, in either direction, if it's just pure amnesty or if it's just all security, either direction, it's unreasonable. I totally agree. Yep. It's gray. It's a gray area. It's gray. And... It's hard for people to live in that gray area, but you have to. Mm -hmm. Now, I got a question for you. When Democrats and Republicans both agree, Mm -hmm. does that make your skin crawl or does that make you (laughs) okay? Or like, because on one hand, well, the Republican farmers in our area and Mm -hmm. the Democrats in our area Mm -hmm. are both aligned. And that scares me in that Republican farmers love illegal immigration and Democrats love illegal immigration because more votes on one side, workers on the other side, Mm -hmm. more profits on the other side. So Stephen Colbert put it best. Oh, I love Stephen Colbert. He's you, he's Catholic. I can't wait comedian. to hear this. I agree. And I, you've heard this before. I, I've I've quoted him without attributing it to him. So I've heard it. I can't. He says the United States has given a contradictory message to the to the to our friends in the South. We put up a sign that says "Keep out" and another <laughs> sign that says "Help Wanted." Yes, yes, that is so true. And that uh, reminds me of this um, this American Life, um, where they said they put billboards. <laughs> On the border saying, we need workers in Albertville. Well, that was all proved not to be the case. But, um, yeah, it, what the people must think over there is just, they're well, Do you so, want us or not? Yeah, what the heck? Do you want us or not? And it's true. I mean, yeah. sheesh. So we have people who come over and they think, well, I'm going to work in the fields. So that same... Or at chicken factories. Or chicken factories. In Albertville. Or in the hotel And, of course, services. working in Albertville, Alabama is a whole different I'm sure. animal than Santa Maria, California. Oh, totally. Where we're much more accommodating. So what we end up with is, I'm going to go work for this employer, 
who is ha- more than happy for me to work for him, more than happy for me to make money for him. But then, on the other hand, hates me, is afraid of me, and wants to deport me mm. because yeah. he voted for Trump. Is it the immigrant at fault or the uh, employer at fault? <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, I don't know. That, Maybe both. I, I think that that is one where it's like it's got to be scientifically 50-50. You know, it's like <laughs> they're both they're pursuing totally, their interests. Yeah. It's like the whole drug thing with Mexico. Is it the user or the provider? Right. You know? So you were talking about hip- hypocrisy earlier. Well, maybe the hypocrisy is on the farm, the farm owner who yeah. employs them. Well, I would need them because economically, but they're almost all super right. But then, yeah, exactly. So I need these not people. right is incorrect. Yeah, right, right, right wing, <laughs> right wing. So I need these people to work my fields. I need to make this money, but then I also want them deported. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, you know, they don't want them. Yeah, ideologically for votes, they want them deported, right? But they really need them. But they need them. Yeah, it's weird. It is when 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 the two parties get together and agree on something so wholeheartedly. I either get super scared, or I'm like, of course. Now they're finally seeing. It's like it's, it's no. There's no in between on that one. It's like they're totally. exactly right, or they're so wrong. So the other thing I want to mention, maybe we can end on this because I love talking about Trump. <laughs> Oh, is man. he has not been helpful in this immigration debate whatsoever. Mm. His language from day one, when he announced his candidacy in Trump Tower, he was saying... Sending rapists and murderers. Yeah. And he says, Mexico, you know, they're sending us their worst people. Wow. So you're just going to wholesale say all the people that come from this country are the worst. And... Here's one that I I think it gets buried, but I think it's way more important. Judge Gonzalez, yes, American citizen, mm-hmm. uh, arguing. Or I mean, I think Hearing he he heard a, and 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 um, judged against Trump, mm-hmm. and was just completely. Give it to Trump. He actually did apologize. Was that the only time that Trump apologized or went back on what he said? I, we got to look at we that and find it. out I'll that's true. Yeah. Because that might be the only time Trump was told about him. Because that's pure racism right there. Mm-hmm. He's you know? Mexican, so yeah. there you go. He's going to find against me. Yeah, he can't hear my case. Right. I don't do it as well as you can. But man, I mean, I generally believe that the first utterance is the truth and when the apology is what people tell you to say. Mm-hmm. So that, that, I mean, yeah, golly. And then recently, by saying, you know, you know, you got all these people coming from countries. Oh, my we need to start taking God. people from Norway. I mean, could you get more blatant <laughs> with your racist? What does he say that he is as far as Christianity? Could he, could he, could does he? Ever go to church or does he I have claim? No clue. He claims to and he because, has evangelical. I mean, you, you couldn't possibly claim Christianity no. with that statement. No, you could not. And he does. And As there are people who support him. Non-Orthodox Christian, you can't possibly I mean, don't how understand. do you bury that? Because of the whole abortion thing. We yeah. talked about that last time. Yeah. Well, he's he's against abortion, so he's cool. No, yeah. he's totally playing people. But anyway, we're at that. We're getting off topic on that one. But it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's so easy because you have so much to work with. Starting with, you know, the whole um, birtherism. I mean, that started it all. It did, you know? and it just it just snowballed mm-hmm. from there. Well, there's a pattern of xenophobia that starts, I think, with that birtherism. Well, President Obama, you know, he's born in Kenya. He's never born here. You know, he's secretly a Muslim, and he's trying to reduce the number of refugees that come here. Yeah, he doesn't want to help out Syrians. You know, we're both English Constantly. teachers, and. We, this has to be, I mean, you all, if you're listening, remember your English teacher saying, you got this crazy claim. Where's your evidence? You know, and we're constantly telling our students, dude, don't be saying that with nothing to back it up. Even if I agree with my students, (laughs) I still say, all right, where's your evidence? Yeah. Come on. Give it to me. I mean, do you have no, um, shame Mm -hmm. and, and Trump doesn't, he doesn't, none. No evidence. I mean, but the thing is, no, he does bring up evidence, but it's It's from Fox News. Yeah. Which is not legitimate evidence. I mean, that's what we're up against. So to to wrap up the immigration discussion, I think, Mm -hmm. to bring in full circle, we can't be hardliners on either side. We Mm. have to bring in balance. It's so great. 
and we have to acknowledge there's tension. Yeah. Maybe we, we maybe we could say that we're hypocritical, but I prefer to say that we're in tension. On the one hand, we're intentionally yeah. hypocritical. Does that work? There you go. I mean, I like that. Rather than making them or talking about putting up a fence, why don't we work out some recognition of our mutual problems, make it possible for them to come here legally with a work permit? We're creating a whole society of really honorable, decent, family-loving people that are in violation of the law, and secondly, we're exacerbating relations with Mexico. All right, so here's the segment of our show where Joel and I will both discuss something that we're reading or we're listening or we're watching. So let's... Joel, do you have something that you're listening to, reading, or watching? I am starting to read, and I'm embarrassed that I'm bringing this up without having finished it, but Night by, is Ooh. it Ellie or Eli? I think it's Eli. Okay. Eli was up. And he writes so simply and so mm-hmm. powerfully. I'm in the middle of it. We're about to take our kids to the Holocaust Museum in L.A., um, the R8 great kids, and I think I'm going to teach the book. And I'm loving it. And, and everybody read it. It's I've, And, you know, as an older guy, 50 years old now almost, I don't generally like to read anymore all this stuff that makes you feel bad. And it does. It, it's not fun reading sometimes, but it will pull you along. But it's important. I th- Why is it important to, like, read stuff that is just, like, agonizing? Because it teaches you grit. It teaches you perseverance. Yeah. Um, so read it. Knight Ellie Wiesel. I don't know how to say his name. I'm, Eli. I apologize. Okay. He is an incredible person. He died a couple years ago, but there's a man who, till the day he died, he could visualize the camps. He could, mm. he could, in his mind, in his mind's eye, he could see his sister as she was being led off. Yeah, and that's uh, separated. And he, he he definitely puts that image into your brain. He plays yeah. the movie in your brain. It's in, in when he writes; those images are conveyed clearly Ooh, to the reader. It's great. It's heartbreaking. It's not like it's not flowery writing at all. No, it's I, prose. I, yeah, it's straight up. Yep. Yeah, it's not poetic. I am have been watching on Netflix Jerry Seinfeld's show Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I am so old, I haven't heard of it. you got to watch it. There, he's, Tell me the name is, one more time. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I love it already. And he, it's, he's, in his, he's in his fifth season. He's only got four on Netflix right now. But he'll basically meet up with a comedian. They'll get in this, every episode he's in a new, cool car. Some muscle car, some classic car. Nice. And they go out for coffee. And they break down, they analyze what it's like to be a comedian, the life of a comedian, their process. I love it. And time and time again, the one thing that comes up over and over again is comedians are in a tough time right now. Because I've heard audiences, especially millennials, Mm -hmm. are like, how dare you? Yes. Which, what the beep? What the beep? Come on. They, That's their job. Exactly. I just, I mean, now we're going to get into our, I don't know, far right mode. But, I mean, come on, people. Are, I, am I bad for saying that? No, you're absolutely right. So, people are so ready to attack someone. The political correctness police yeah. are so ready to catch a, a comic saying something um, off color. Which is uh, the point, right? I mean, I mean, comedy relies on shocking people. Exactly. And so there, time and again, there's like, I'm so tired of seeing a comedian apologize for a joke. You're not worried that we're becoming this very gentle, respectful culture that the people won't be funny anymore. I'm worried that every time I see a comedian apologize, just to end it, just because you took what I said seriously doesn't mean I now meant it. Like, you don't get to decide that, what, you're in my head and you know my intent? Like, if I'm saying something and I'm joking, I'm joking. This is the deal. Those people who get offended like that, Mm -hmm. if they want to see stand-up comedy, they should hire a comic for a private show and go, these are the topics you can talk about, these are the but you don't. So you come in to the hostile environment of a comedy club and we get to say whatever we want. Like the amount of times they've shown clips, they'll be like, controversy at the Laugh Factory. And they show the bit and the whole crowd laughed. There was no controversy. But this does get gray. So can non Okay, if you're a comedian and you're known as a comedian, I think you, you, you have free reign. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I really believe that. I mean, I mean free reign. I... 
people will hate me for it. But if it makes me laugh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. If it makes me cry and laugh, that's even more beautiful. And the more shocking, I mean, oh, man. So, non-comedian saying, I was just trying to be funny. Right. That's so funny. That That's happening. And, you know, it better be funny. If it you're a non-comedian and you're pulling that mm-hmm. and you're pulling, like, racial stuff and... And fine if it's funny, but man, you know, but that's weird. That's a weird standard. That's literally what the comedians on the show say. If you're going to, if you're going to go out there and say something that's edgy, it better be funny. Yeah, no, no doubt. And and they look, I think they look back to George Carlin where he says, anything can be funny. So long as you make it funny. Yeah. That's a, that's putting up a pretty high standard. And so I think for them, their concern is one, it's typically millennials who will come to their show and they want the comedians to only say things that are in this nice neat box. Yeah. But it's like, no, 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 you're coming to my show. Mm-hmm. You know, my comedy. So if you're coming to my show where I'm performing, you need to check yourself. Oh uh, yeah. And the other thing is a lot of millennials now are so used to commenting on social media, expressing themselves, giving their opinion that they're, Heckling is getting worse. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. We didn't come is making your... news now. It's crazy. We didn't come to hear your opinion, sir. People paid good money to buy tickets to see me perform. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great show. Jerry Seinfeld, super funny. He talks about that or no? Yeah. That issue. He does. Oh, right and the on. guests, like he's had Louis C.K. on there. Louis C.K.'s was so funny. Yeah. Larry David. Yeah. He... Chris Rock. You just go down the line of classic comedians. They've been on his show. Yeah. For he's just finished the fourth season. They're all on Netflix. I recommend it. All right. Check it out. Gonna watch it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our second episode of Conversation on Tap. Thank you so much for returning and listening to our humble little podcast once again. Hopefully, we um, improved somewhat this week. <laughs> I think we were we learned our lessons. Straight. Yeah, exactly. We were a little more prepared than last time. And I think I drank less beer this week. I definitely did. Sorry <laughs> for uh, slurring. Mindful of our, of our alcoholic intake. But... You could do us a huge, huge favor by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to. We're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Google Play, and of course, we're on iTunes. Uh, Be sure, please, to leave a rating on our show as well as a review. Your rating will help others find this show. And be sure to find us on Facebook at Conversation on Tap. Thank you so much. Hey, for can listening. I just put one thing in real oh, quick? Yeah, of course. If you know us, text us and ask them, ask us when the next show is, and we'll tell you when you're going to walk in and hear. Norm. Norm. That'll be our way of introducing Absolutely. people. So again, make sure you find us on Facebook at Conversation on Tap. Thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Say bye, Joel. Bye. Bye, y'all. We'll see you next week. <laughs>